Hey, and welcome back to the FFP. Today, we're going to be breaking down part two of our dynasty running back rankings. Part two, meaning there was a part one. If you want to listen to our top 10 dynasty running backs, make sure to check out that video or, or listen to that podcast. Um, and today we'll be going 11 through 20 and kind of just continuing that trend of which guys are the best options for the next few years and for your dynasty slash keeper leagues. One thing we did have a great comment from somebody who's been subscribed to the channel for a while, left some awesome comments. And it was really the question, why don't you have any rookies in the top 10? Uh, we'll start getting to talking about rookies in this video. We felt like uh, it was maybe a little too early in that last video, but Rob, you wanted to address that as well. So kind of what are we thinking here? Yeah, you know, simply put, it's just a really weird, weird uh, year for a lot of sports right now. You know, the COVID's going on, we're having our typical rookie camps, things like that. And so for me, I, I want to know what I can really put my hands around, measure, take a look at, get feedback from the camps. We haven't had that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually will get to a rookie in our top 20. We'll talk about that later in the video. Uh, but for me, I want these camps to get there, to arrive, get information coming in. And most likely if we did this during, a, what I guess what you would call a normal fantasy or a normal football year, yeah, we'd probably have a couple guys that would break into our top 10 maybe. Um, you have to be careful. I go back to a player like Bishop Sankey of Tennessee, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what a flop he was. And so once again, no matter how these guys come out of college, no matter what the reports say, you still got to get the guys there. You got to see how they respond, see their usage, et cetera. And so that's kind of why we just, for me personally, I was sheepish on putting them too uh, high too early. Yeah. So again, we, we got a running back in the top 20. We don't have a ton. There's a lot of reasons to that one. You know, this year wasn't like when Barkley was taken in the top five, right? You just hard to trust a guy when the earliest running back was 32nd overall. There's a little bit of nerves there for sure. It's a weird offseason. It's just hard to be a rookie. Uh, but really, the biggest thing is we're too early. Now, I know that I believe the Chiefs actually reported to camp today, and they're actually getting some practices started, but we haven't heard any news yet. And so we can't put running backs this early. And the reason for that is it's a risk. If it were at wide receiver, if it were a quarterback, I would gamble and throw rookies in there because I think you can afford to. But if you're in a dynasty league trying to set up your franchise and your team for the next three, four years, whiffing on your first round pick is unacceptable. It can't happen. You cannot afford to mess that up because you wanted to have fun and take a rookie. And I would not feel good about that if I put a guy in the top 10 and then he he busted. And I know that ton of you guys accidentally took him. You listened to my advice. So that's why it's kind of playing it cautious, kind of playing it safe. But you, you almost have to because you can't afford to mess that pick up. Yeah, and you look at the top 10 guys we've talked about. They're all very solid guys. So why would you put a guy that is uncertain ahead of guys that are so much – there's so much talent out there right now at the back position. So, All right, should we get to the number one guy? Yeah, we'll get to the number one guy. So here we are, first player, player number 11. We got running back Dalvin Cook. Rob, why don't you break it down for us? So, you know, this one's really hard for me. He's at number 11. I think a lot of people would say this is way too low for Dalvin Cook with all of his talent. It's especially hard for me and you. We're Vikings fans, right? Mm -hmm. we, you know, I would love nothing more for this guy to stay healthy and have a huge year. Um, he's a guy that I would say is very high risk, high reward. Uh, would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. He could be the number one fantasy running back. He could also get injured and miss the entire season. So who really knows? Yeah, this guy, when he's healthy, he's very, very dangerous. Every time he touches the ball, this guy can go the distance. So why is he not higher? Well, simply put, he's got question marks. And the most obvious question mark is durability. Coming out of college, that was the number one thing that scouts had concerns about him was could he stay healthy? Could he handle that in the NFL? Now, in his first three seasons so far, he's only played 29 out of a possible 48 regular season games. So sure enough, that's been an issue for him. Uh, the other thing we talked about too is uh, because of his durability issues, um, they've got a backup that we actually really like here, Alexander Madison, who's actually performed very well. And uh, we actually got into more details about that in a video called Sneaky Backs Video. So you want to know why we feel like Alexander Madison is going to chip away at his usage and maybe lower Dalvin Cook's value. You should watch that video there. 
Um, and I think what's going to happen if I'm Vikings, you know, ownership coach, et cetera, I think what I'm going to do is I want to keep Delvin Cook healthy. Um, I want him to get, you know, 15, uh, 20 touches a game, not carries. There's a big difference, right? 15 to 20 touches a game. In order to do that, you got to keep, you know, you got to keep him healthy. And I think they're going to give Alexander Madison a lot of touches, and that's going to lower his value slightly. Another small concern is if you look at since he's been in the league, his yards per carry dropped every year, not significantly, but they have dropped. Now, I believe a lot of that's due to usage, right? Mm -hmm. When the volume goes up, usually the effectiveness is going to go down slightly. Another small concern, I guess I would say, is that uh, he's talked about a possible holdout mm -hmm. at this point. And I'll tell you what, right now, um, he has threatened a holdout. He wants a new contract. Um, the timing on that could not be worse if he decides to stick to his guns and really holds out. There's a lot of reasons why I think that's a bad idea. I think ultimately he will report. I don't think he's got a lot of leverage. A couple things are working against him. One, more recently, Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley contracts were big. How has that worked out for those teams? Not very well. And, you know, Todd Gurley looked like he won in the beginning. It looked great for, for a little bit, and it still didn't turn out very well. And I don't think he was nearly as prima donna as Le'Veon Bell was either. Yeah. And so those contracts scared a lot of teams. They realized, like, that didn't work out so well. I also think it's the one position running back where young players and rookies can come in and be productive. So uh, the other thing that's scared right now is the NFL has a lot of what I would call uncertain financial future. They have an you know, uncertain financial future. We know they're going to try to start the season, but there's conversation, well, will the stadiums be open? Will the revenue be there? And I think that's a lot of, left a lot of teams sheepish about contracts. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to get the contract that he wants. Um, with that said, will he really hold out? Now, his talent has never been in question. You know, last year he finally stayed on the field for uh, almost a full season, missed a couple games. But he broke 1,000 yards rushing, and we got to see what he can do. And he's still very young. If you look at the first three seasons, he's increased his rushing yards, his catches, his receiving yards, and his touchdowns. Um, this is a guy who's a stud. I could get into the metrics and break it down, but I don't think I need to convince you that he's talented. Um, but what I would say with Dalvin Cook and why he's number 11 for me is a guy he's too talented to ignore. But here's what I would strongly urge you to, to do. Uh, if you draft this guy, which you need to, you can't pass him up, right? Absolutely. He's got to go. Yeah, he's got to go. Um, but you better have a strong bench um, just in case, or you better handcuff him with Alexander Madison just in case. So that's why he's there. Got a lot of question marks. Very talented, high-risk, high-reward guy. That's the only thing I would add to that is, is what you mentioned earlier, that his efficiency was very high. He's getting more touches, and his efficiency is going down. We see that with almost every running back in the NFL, so that's natural. That's okay. That's not a bad thing for his value and how talented he is. However, what does that tell us? These NFL teams, these coaches, these offenses, they need 100% out of you every play. And if you're losing efficiency because of volume, those coaches will not be at all afraid to replace you if they have a good backup, even if it's just to give you a rest for a play or two. I think that's something we could see a lot happen this season with Alexander Madison, who's a very, very good running back to a very good backup running back. And that, for me, is the biggest concern, is that even if he does stay healthy, his, his health could very much depend on a lower volume. But... Anyways, that's Dalvin Cook here at number 11. I'd love to put him in the top 10, but I just don't think we could do it with the uncertainty. All right, so here we are with Leonard Fournette at number 12. Because I really like Leonard Fournette. He's an extremely talented running back. Um, but the fantasy value isn't quite there. Again, I love, just like him and Dalvin Cook, I'd love to put him in the top 10, but I can't because of his situation. Now, let's get a few things straight. First of all, he finished 13th in standard and 7th in PPR points last season. That's going to surprise a lot of you if you haven't been paying more diligent attention to kind of his specific fantasy stats. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking that he is a standard league running back because he kind of came out of college as a guy who wasn't expected to be a very good pass catcher and he was known for being a very physical runner. That script has really been flipped in the last couple of years here playing in Jacksonville. So that is something to note. He holds more value in PPR leagues. 
because he gets a lot of volume. I think he's a fine standard league running back, but his biggest issue is that offense isn't moving the ball enough. So continuing on with that trend, he had 1,150 rushing yards, over 1,600 total yards from scrimmage. They both ranked top six among running backs. So again, you're getting volume. And the good news is he had about, what, 75 catches last year, 100 targets, 75 catches. Of those 100 targets, 75 came from Gardner Minshew, who will be the quarterback this year. So you do have some stability knowing that the same guy who threw him the ball mostly last year will be the same guy this year. That is, of course, great. He's a very physical running back. He runs really well. He's good in the passing game. And I can't say this enough. It's just the situation is a concern for me. Poor guy's not getting any help back there at all. 792 uh, yards after contact is what he had last year. That was third best in the NFL. That's great. You love to have a running back who's good after yards after contact. He had just 0.6 yards before contact and 3.7 average yards after contact. So you can tell he's really not getting the support he needs. Furthermore, 32% of his runs, the 10th highest percentage in the NFL, came uh, against loaded boxes. 32%. This guy is getting just hammered. Defenses know what the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do, and they're really shutting it down. In fact, he had just three total touchdowns last year because they couldn't move the ball and they feed in on Fournette. In PPR leagues, he still finishes as easily a running back one. Standard leagues, he's right on that bubble. He's a very talented back. They just have to figure out their offense a little bit. So this is a perfect spot for him to finish in here right there uh, where he's not quite as good as some of these other guys, but he still definitely, definitely deserves to be right where he's at. Rob, you got any thoughts for that? You know, Leonard Fournette is a guy that uh, on paper, he's got everything you want in running back. He's big, he's physical, come out of college. Uh, the numbers haven't been there. He's very much disappointed. Last year, like you said, he had a boost due to a lot of the catches, some other stuff there. But the first two years, his yards per carry were very low. Um, but on paper and coming into the league, he had all the tools. Uh, a concern that I have, although it looks like last year it got better, is the first two years in the league, he really had some attitude issues. In fact, the team made it pretty clear they're not going to re-sign him at all. They want to deal with that. They don't want to give him a big contract. Um, last year, he did get his head on straight. He did come in and even made some statements that he knew he needed to, to really keep his act clean and, and focus on football, and he did that. Um, so it's concerning that the team doesn't want to bring him back. But there's also, if, if you're a gambler, the one thing you could do with this guy, because this is a dynasty video, it's not a mm -hmm. redraft video, is if you've got this guy on your bench, his trade value now, you could buy low. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what you do. You buy low, you sell high. You could get this guy, you could put him on your bench, maybe as you're running back three, just in case. And it's you know interesting to see where he might be the year after. This is a guy that could get traded to a contender or in the offseason get signed by a big name. So so I think he's got some value there that you got to look at. But uh, I like to see numbers get better. I don't think it's going to get a lot better this year. You talked about 32% loaded boxes. Uh, that's going to happen again. Teams are mm -hmm. obviously going to load the box, shut down the run, and force Gardner Minshew to beat him in the air, I believe. So that's our breakdown for Leonard Fournette. Maybe not the most interesting, but that's the numbers straight up. Bad situation, good back. That's all you need to know. All right, so here we are at number 13. We got Devin Singletary. I think this is a really interesting pick because for me, I'm kind of torn on it. For me, I think he absolutely deserves to be here. Part of me also thinks it's too high. Part of me thinks he could be even higher than this. But Rob, you've got the numbers. Break it down for us. So he's a guy that is very intriguing for me and yet very scary. He's a small back at five foot seven, 205 pounds. We talk a lot in FFP. I like backs that are three down backs that are big and physical, good hands, you name it. He's a little smaller. He could be a guy that could develop and, and have numbers like, I would say, an Austin Eckler, who's, you know, 5'10", 180, or a Philip Lindsay. They're very similar in their size. Um, or if everything falls into place for this guy, he could become like a Jamal Charles, who's 5'11", 199, uh, who had obviously a very good career there. Now, if you look at Devin Singletary, I mentioned some other guys. He's actually bigger than all three of the guys that I mentioned, so that's good. But he's still not a big back. 
Now, I think you look at some players, they come into the league, a team drafts him, maybe even a running back. Uh, he's smaller. They see them uh, maybe in a limited role as a specialist, third down back, whatever it is. Uh, but their production is hard to ignore. And after a while, that team's got to find a way to get him on the field, get him touches. And I think that's what's going to happen and is happening with Devin Singletary. This is a guy that when he touched the ball, he did a lot of things. He was very productive. Um, once again, I wish he was bigger, but this guy looked impressive last year, and he ripped off large chunks of yards all the time. He was consistently doing that. He looked good. He's quick. He's explosive. He's elusive, and even somewhat solid between the tackles. And once again, he's not a guy. He's not big and physical like you know Derrick Henry, but uh, he did okay between the tackles there. He ran very effectively last year, and he finished with a 5.1 yards per carry. That was fifth in the league. If you look at the last nine games, um, they decided or the Bills committed to getting him the ball more. And once they did that, he went from averaging five carries per game to 16 carries per game. His yards after contact were solid at 3.0. And to me, that matters because he is a small back. I want to know, can he be on the field more? Um, and 3.0 um, is pretty solid. Um, it actually had a lot of bigger names out there. And that left him 27th in the league. And he can be electric as a wide receiver. This is where I think the evolution of his game and determining his long-term fantasy value is going to be and how much they use him as a receiver. If they use him more as a receiver, this guy could become really, really solid fantasy player. His last game of the year last year, he had six catches on seven targets for 76 yards. Uh, and that's really a preview of what this guy could do coming out of college. Once again, getting some carries, you know, maybe uh, you know, 10 to 12 carries per game, but also seeing maybe additional six or seven targets. And then before you know it, you got yourself a very solid PPR back there. He does have a limited season, but Bill's coaches have said they plan to increase his involvement in the passing game, which increases PPR value and really raises his floor. Uh, so once again, too talented, too explosive, too electric to ignore, a little bit smaller. He's a little bit of a gamble. Um, but if you don't take a shot on this guy, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Here's where this season has got my head twisted, spun around. I'm a little confused, and here's what's confusing for me. He had a very effective year, and for me, the judgment typically is, do they draft or bring in another running back or not? And that'll tell us whether or not he's going to get volume. They drafted Zach Moss, and so my first thought, my first thought is no. No, they, they, he's not going to get a lot of volume. But we also saw that um, the Ravens went out and took a running back, and they just had the most rushing yards by a team in a single season. They had Mark Ingram. They had a lot of running backs there. They were fine on the ground game. And so did the Packers. Had Aaron Jones finished number two in PPR. They drafted a running back in the second round. So then it's got very confusing for me as to you know, where that volume is going to be. I see him having more volume in that PPR league. We know Zach Moss is not going to have a big impact in the passing game, so he's a safer PPR pick. And I think that he is still going to be the back. The concern, because I don't think Zach Moss is anywhere near as talented as Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is one of those guys that has all the talent in the world. He's up there with the rest of them for talent. The question is, when they draft a running back, does that tell us that the Bills don't have as much faith in his ability to be a full-volume guy? And even at the end of the season, he saw more touches. But, you know, 16 touches a game isn't a ton. When we talk about volume for guys like Zeke, when they have a lot of touches, that's actually, you know, up there by 20, 20, whatever. Uh, but he still deserves to be here. He is uh, phenomenally talented. And um, with Josh Allen there at quarterback, he's going to get used in the passing game a lot. Yeah, the coaches came out and made a comment regarding Moss. Now, once again, we haven't had a lot of football so far, and you don't know a lot of the coach speak out there. But what they're projecting, the coaches have said that Moss will be used like uh, Gore was last year. Yeah. And, of course, he saw, you know, Gore's definitely involved in that offense. But I would still say as the year went on, Devin Singletary became the main guy there. So. All right, let's get on to our next pick. So here we have number 14, Austin Eckler. Guys, a lot of people are going to be mad at us for not putting Austin Eckler higher. I absolutely know that. So let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the bad and really break down honestly why he isn't higher. 
We know he's a phenomenal talent. Last year, he finished fourth in PPR and seventh in standard. He finished sixth in half PPR. So that gives you a good across-the-board understanding that, yeah, last year he was a solid running back one. He was actually first throughout the first three weeks. And what you'll notice is that throughout the season, he faded a little bit, got a few less touches. He struggled a little bit more. And that Chargers team had some real issues, and that is definitely a concern. The bright side being he he finished the season with .52 fantasy points per snap on the field. Every time he was on the field for a play, he on average scored a half a fantasy point. That was better than even Christian McCaffrey and every other single running back out there. Phenomenal. When he's on the field, he's great. He is especially great in the passing game. His 104 targets were second, 92 catches second, 993 receiving yards were second. His eight touchdowns were first, was actually double Christian McCaffrey, who had the historic game, uh, historic season in the passing game, and he averaged nine and a half yards per target, which was first among running backs. So he is an elite pass catcher. I mean, this guy practically should just be a wide receiver. Why not just put him out, out wide and, and let him run some routes against cornerbacks? Because that's how effective he was. The concern being he was weak on the ground game. He had just 132 carries. That was 34th in the NFL. Just 550 rushing yards was 32nd. And a low 4.2 yards per carry was 30th in the NFL. Leading us to believe he is a just ineffective on the ground game. And they are going to bring in a running back to replace him. But furthermore, you dig into some of the analytics and the metrics, and even then, that suggests maybe he is good on the ground game. He had 3.23 average yards after contact. That was 12th best, tied with Ezekiel Elliott, which is something I never thought that I would say, and yet that's what the numbers say. He also had 30 avoided tackles, which was 25th among running backs, but uh, he was actually 8th in avoided tackles per attempt. So ultimately, what we're dealing with here is a situation where I think he is a below average runner. He's got some flashes of brilliance there, had some really solid avoided tackles. Um, But what we see is he's undersized. The offensive line is a concern. They're not going to run the ball a lot. That team struggled last year, and they threw the ball a ton. Ultimately, here's the biggest concern straight up. Uh, To be totally honest with you guys, the biggest problem is the quarterback situation. You either have Tyrod Taylor starting, who couldn't get it done in Cleveland, couldn't beat out Baker Mayfield, couldn't manage to succeed in an offense that had uh, um, Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry. Landry, Excuse me, They had phenomenal (laughs) weapons out there and, and even some good running backs, and he couldn't get it done there. Or you get Justin Herbert, who by many, and I kind of agree with this, is the new uh, Mitchell Trubisky, which is not a thing you want your quarterback to be. So that's ultimately got to be what it is for me. Last year, he was able to lean on his ability in the passing game and still be effective. Will he be able to do that this year when the quarterback play is not as good? I'm going to have to say no on that. So that's why we don't have him there at number five or six or seven. That's why he's bumped down. He's still phenomenal, but the quarterback situation is too big of a concern for us to project the next two to three years of him continuing to be a top-end RB1 with insane PPR potential. Yeah, this is a guy I'm tired of uh, beating the dead horse. You're talking about how small backs aren't going to handle that sort of beat in the NFL, but it doesn't matter. I want to talk about Austin Eckler. His yards per carry have actually dropped, I believe, since he's been in the league each year. Some mm-hmm. of that effectiveness in the running game has went down. Um, now what we did is uh, there has been times where we like to say to show Flash, he looks brilliant, right? It looks like he's going to be great. Heaney handled the lead back role, and uh, going back the last couple of years, we did a breakdown, I think, last year in some videos, and I think it carried over, is that whenever he was asked to be the starting back, when Melvin Gordon was out or things like that, you think, okay, now is his opportunity to really shine. And in those situations um, where maybe he was averaging 5.1 yards per carry as the backup or, or in, a, in a role position on that team um, was great. But then all of a sudden, as the lead running back, his yards per carry dropped down to 3.4, 3.5. For whatever it is, he just doesn't excel as a lead back as far as running the ball. Now, as far as PPR goes, the guy's a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want a guy that's more well-balanced. 
Absolutely. So. What are you going to do when you are not effective on, in the running game and you're in a close match where you don't get to use your PPR potential as much? If the Chargers are in a 10-10 to 10 game in the fourth quarter and they don't need to throw the ball much, it's going to be hard to imagine he's going to have the same fantasy value. And that's the whole volume thing. Him getting more carries means lower yards per carry. Again, that's not an insult. The same thing happened to Dalvin Cook. It just means that his, his, vol- his, his kind of ability to have that potential up there is a little bit limited. Yeah, you look at a guy like Philip Lindsay, for example. Philip Lindsay's actually been quite impressive since he's been in the league, right? Mm-hmm. The guy for his size is unbelievable. He plays way more physical than he should with that size and the body that he's got. Um, but you look at the Denver Broncos, They, I think they realize that long-term he's not going to be their guy, even though he's been effective. And they try to give Royce Freeman that role because um, he's bigger and more physical, and it just hasn't worked, right? Mm-hmm. And so you think they would just lean on Philip Lindsay, but who would they bring in this year? Probably Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, because I think teams know like you've got to have a bigger back. You've got to have that one-two punch. Um, they're not going to lean on him. He's not going to get 200, 250 carries. Uh, once again, 125, maybe 150 carries-wise. A lot of targets in the passing game. So he's got value there, but in standard leagues, I'd be a little nervous. So there's Austin Eckler for you. Let's get to our next pick. So now here we are at number 15. Rob, you're going to break down Kenyon Drake, a very exciting back. Here's the weird thing. He proved how phenomenal he could be last year. He was really great filling in and taking over in Arizona. The question is, what's the appropriate amount of excitement to get about this guy? Don't get overhyped. He's not going to be Saquon Barkley, but he's got huge fantasy value still, right? Okay, so we talked about, in one of our videos, we talked about, of course, the running back situation and the Packers, you know, a couple years ago and everybody was leaning on Williams. And, of course, we put our money on. Um, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the guy that we kind of went out and said, no, we feel like this is the guy that can be successful. We were ridiculed by so many, and I, and I think we were right. Um, Kenyon Drake is a guy that we have actually touted many times in the past. It'd be easy now to come out and say, hey, put your money on this guy. I think he can perform and be talented. But two years ago, we were saying, hey, keep your eye on this guy. This guy is very successful. He's got all the gifts and talents to do that. Now, what we said a couple years ago is that he was being misused and underused by coaches. So I went back to July 2018, I dug back in our notes in a video that we had, and I grabbed some notes from a video that we did two years ago. And here's what we said about this guy, and what it shows that what he did last year is not a fluke. I believe this guy's the real deal. So here's what our notes were from that video, July 2018. It says, uh, Kenyon Drake, after Jay Ajayi left during the last five weeks, he exploded for 444 rushing yards, which is more than any other back in the league. He had a very good yards per carry of 4.88. During that same stretch, he had 17 catches, including a 2.67 yards after contact. The former Alabama back has all the tools and decent size to be a running back one. After that, he exploded. It started to make sense why they traded away Jay Ajayi. So that was from two years ago. And we really pushed this guy. In a lot of our videos, if you look at our, our waiver wire videos, things we talked about, we kept saying, man, this guy's got to get in the game. The coaches have to use him. Um, but for whatever reason, they would not stick to the guy. Probably the reason why that Miami coach is gone, right? Mm-hmm. Just cannot assess talent. Well, that was Adam Gase at the time. In fact, I remember very clearly that the, the Miami Dolphins said that that was one of the reasons they let him go is they felt like he was misusing some offensive weapons, which is code for Kenyon Drake didn't touch the ball enough. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I don't know what he was thinking, of, but whatever, he got misused there. And then he stayed in Miami, and he was still misused and on a very bad team. And he disappointed for Miami last year. But finally, he gets traded going to the Cardinals. Now, last year in our waiver wire video, I wasn't big on the guy, not because I didn't think he had talent, but, you know, you had David Johnson. Of course, you got Edwards there, and I just didn't know if he'd get enough carries. But with the Cardinals during eight games, he has 643 rushing yards, 5.2 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, and 28 catches. That was great. But when he started, if he actually went back to the game logs, he was actually limited the first few games. They didn't use him a lot. Now, it could be a few reasons for that. He's still got to learn the offense, right? Got to come into a new offense, learn the game book, playbook, et cetera. And it could be that coaches had to get to know him and get comfortable with him. 
But in the last three games, they increased his touches, and he exploded. Once his touches went up last three games, during those three games, he had 363 rushing yards, a 6.26 yards per carry, and seven touchdowns. The guy was crazy good at the end. Um, he's got great hands. You don't know this, or maybe you do, I don't know. But a couple years ago, he actually led all running backs in catch percentage. Mm -hmm. This guy's not a joke. I mean, he's the real deal in the passing game. Now, his career yards per carry is 4.8. That's okay. That's actually, I'd say that's a little bit above okay. I'd say that's good. That's I solid. would say that's solid, yeah. Yeah. Um, the numbers brought down a little bit because last year with uh, the Miami Dolphins, he had a 3.7 yards per carry. But that was a league's worst offensive line. That offensive line for the Dolphins was brutal. Mm -hmm. 3.7 for Miami doesn't sound impressive. But if you consider, uh, they had two backs there. The other two backs got a lot of carries. Was Ballard had a 1.8 yards per carry. And uh, Patrick, I would say it lard, Layard, I would say it wrong. But, yeah, you know what I'm talking about anyways. He had a 2.7 yards per carry. Their most effective runner for Miami last year is Ryan Fitzpatrick, so just kind of puts that in perspective. Well, that's first of all, that's Fitzmagic for you. Fitzmagic, but, yeah. But really, when you break down the stats, that teaches us a lesson, and you should apply this whenever you read any other stat. Contextual stats matter. Um, I can tell you this guy scored 17 touchdowns that year, but really, what does it matter? If this was you know, a long time ago, and that was the quarterback position, that was okay, but today at the quarterback position, that's not good at all. Context matters, and that's what that's all I'm saying. But, yeah, so... Um, with that said, I like this guy. I think he's got talent. I think he'll be successful there. I wouldn't say he's a tier one running back, even though his stats last year and what he did project out to be a tier one running back. And here's why I would say, even though his production looked like he could be, um, I want to know how he's going to handle the lead role. Mm -hmm. And I want to trust that that coach is going to really give him the usage that he has needed for years to have. Mm -hmm. With that said, um, he's not a dynasty thing. And why would you do that? He, he's not young at 26, but he's also not old. Now, if you're younger, maybe you've never heard of this guy before, but he could be this generation's Priest Holmes. If you're not familiar with Priest Holmes and what he did, I would encourage you to look this guy up. I remember I had him on my team years ago. This guy came out of nowhere. He was really buried behind Jamal Lewis and the Baltimore Ravens there. Uh, didn't really have a starting role. But he goes to the Chiefs, and for three to four years, he's a top five running back. He set records. This guy was phenomenal. I think one year at 24 touchdowns, and he followed it up with 27, I think, the next year. And so I think this is a guy that's got enough years left there in the tank uh, that he could go out and become a, you know, a, a top 10 running back if the coaches use him. And I, I like the situation he's in right now. David Johnson's gone. That's huge, right? Gives him opportunity. And they brought in DeAndre Hopkins to go with, you know, Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and a young stud quarterback, Murray. He's going to see a lot of open field this year. So I like this guy. Um, I am a little nervous because my fear is, um, will he get the usage? But I think he will. Well, you know, he doesn't necessarily even need to get the volume. When you have that good of a passing game, you will get in the red zone. And what have I always said? It doesn't matter what happens or how your offense works or how good your passing game is. When teams get to the goal line, they run the ball more. They run the ball a lot, and that could mean huge touchdowns for him. That's Kenyon Drake for you. He deserves to be here. I don't think he's McCaffrey or Barkley-level running back, but he's got huge value for sure. Um, if you don't have anything else to say, Rob, we can get to our next pick. Yeah. All right, so here we are at number 16, Chris Carson. I like him right here. He does not have the ceiling of a Barkley or an Elliott or right, some of those guys because he's not maybe the most effective in the passing game, but he is a very, very effective runner. He's very effective on the ground. I think he's a consistent back that the Seattle Seahawks can rely on, and they love to rely on him. I think he's a very underrated running back because a lot of people have a misperception about Seattle. They think because Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback that that must mean they're a passing team. And while Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback, that's very much true. They're not. They love to run the ball. Seattle has been ground first for a couple of years now. In fact, a couple of years ago, they had a sixth offensive lineman out there on 20% of plays. That's an insanely high number and it tells you just how much they have emphasized 
being able to ground and pound. You also got to know that Chris Carson has really earned that job. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. Let's get into some stats. For starters, his 124 missed tackles are tied for third among Chubb, McCaffrey, and Barkley over the last couple of years. His 228 yards on carries behind on carries where he was hit behind the line of scrimmage was also third best with Chubb, Derrick Henry, Elliott, and Lamar Jackson, who's an interesting guy to put in on that list as far as most yards per carry when they've been hit behind the line of scrimmage. But he's been very effective. He was fifth in the NFL in rushing attempts, and he played 65% of the team's offensive snaps. When he is out there, he touches the ball, and they give him the ball a lot. So he's certainly been very effective. And uh, as I said earlier, they have made a very clear commitment, that Seahawks team, that they will run the ball. They have ranked in top three for rushing attempts per game since they were 21st in 2017. So the last two years, they have finished top three in most rushing attempts as a team. They have been ground and pound the last two years, and it has worked very, very, very effectively. He's also had 41 red zone rushing attempts. No other player on the team had more than eight rushing red zone attempts. So when they get to the goal line and it's sort of, you know, the money touches where that means touchdowns and big fantasy points, nobody is even close. It is always Chris Carson on the field. Um, like I said earlier, he's not the best running back in the passing game, but he did have just 30, he did have 37 catches last year. So while he's not great in the passing game, he's not a detriment. He's not a liability. He is good enough to keep himself out there. Not on every third down play, but he's not going to be, you know, kind of completely useless. Ultimately, though, I think the reason that he gets underrated is Rashad Penny. People are very excited about Rashad Penny. They get very hyped about him. And a lot of people see Penny as the next back that he's going to take over that team. And he's going to be a, a huge NFL back and have a great career. And um, I like Rashad Penny, but that's not going to happen. Remember, they both came into this team a couple of years ago. And you know who won that job? Chris Carson. And since then, he has been hands down. He has been the workhorse volume back. And that's going to continue. Penny had a couple of good games last year. That's great. But once again, he got hurt. And he hasn't been able to keep any volume, and he hasn't been able to beat out Chris Carson for that job. Then they bring in Carlos Hyde, and I heard from one website their absurd idea that Carlos Hyde may be a huge guy as far as stealing touches. But Carlos Hyde lost his job to David Johnson, who lost his job to Kenyon Drake. I mean, that's just plain and simple. Carlos Hyde was very ineffective last year. So Chris Carson, he's underrated. Yeah, he doesn't have this huge potential as far as being able to be a guy who could finish number one in fantasy. I don't think that's going to happen. But he is a very safe running back, especially in standard leagues. So I like Chris Carson a lot. I think he gets a lot of hate. Yeah, uh, not a lot to say there. <clears throat> I guess uh, not a sexy pick. He's not going to be a guy that's got... Uh... I would say uh, I think he's got a limited ceiling, but a very, very solid guy that uh, you can feel pretty comfortable with there. So, yeah. Absolutely. Let's get to our next pick. So here we are. We have James Conner at number 17. A lot of you are going to hate this pick, and to be honest, I, I can understand James Conner has burnt a lot of people in fantasy. But, Rob, I think you've got some really good metrics you show me on this guy. So, as I've said a few times, break it down. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so here's the thing. Uh, I was one of those guys who got hurt by this guy last year. I had him in three leagues. I'm in a dynasty league. Um, burnt me. Um, but we always say in fantasy, you got to check your emotions at the door, okay? Uh, you got to look at things uh, objectively. And so here's what I want to do. Uh, this is a guy that potentially could be a top 10 talent. If you're being honest with this guy, he's still young. Um, yes, he has a lot of health issues. That's a big concern for me. Can he stay healthy? But he can be a true three down back. He's got size to run between the tackles. He gets goal line carries. He's got enough speed to have decent yards per carry, and he's shown great hands. Uh, so when I look at James Conner and Delvin Cook, to me, the two backs right now that I would say have the, the highest risk and the highest reward to go together. Uh, another reason why I like the guy is uh, what kind of hurt that offense last year, and this is big, is Ben Roethlisberger being out. 
oh my gosh, that team fell apart. You can clearly tell that that guy is the MVP of that team, right? Ben's back, and that's going to help the entire offense, including James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, you name it. They're going to be a lot better there. In fact, that's an offense, if you go back, uh, had been a top 10 offense for many years uh, with him at quarterback there. Now, they showed some recent workout videos of James Conner, and now once again, it's a workout video, so it's so hard to tell. But the, the guy's been working alongside Juju Smith-Schuster and some other guys, and he looks in phenomenal shape. So that's great to see. I love that. And there's no other backs that currently really pose a big threat on Pittsburgh. Yes, they've got backup guys, going to get carries and whatnot, but uh, there's nobody else that you look on that team that thinks, okay, he could become the true three-down back, so he's got opportunity there. Now, was he disappointed last year? He missed six games with a shoulder injury. He's got quadricep injuries. Uh, but look at when he did play. Okay, he had 29 receptions, 236 yards, another two touchdowns prior, but injured in shoulder in week eight. Okay, mm -hmm. so he's been effective in the, uh, the, you know, the passing game. Um, but if you actually break it down, okay, uh, he was on pace to match his 2018 Pro Bowl numbers um, before his shoulder injury. He was on pace to have about 1,470 yards, which he had the previous year. So he was actually having a decent year. And when you consider the fact that he's having a decent year without Ben Roethlisberger there and all the problems they had in that offense, um, he was actually doing just fine. The real only concern for him is one. And you know what that is? Injury. Injury. That's it. So, um, yeah, but he's too good, too good of a situation and too good of an offense and still too young to ignore this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's another guy going back to what he said with Dalvin Cook. You can't let him slide because this guy could be a top 10 running back, but you definitely got to have a solid backup with James Conner. Once again, still young, got all the skills, can do all the things. I didn't get into the metrics, like you said, uh, but they're there. Absolutely. What you need to know is that teams will tell you what to think about a player. They will. And when teams like Baltimore are taking running backs, the Chiefs took a running back, I mean, the Packers took a running back, there were a lot of talented running backs out there. And you think about, there were probably five or six possible running backs I felt were very talented, guys like Jonathan Taylor, who slipped very far in the draft. If the Steelers felt like they needed a running back, they would have taken one, and they didn't. And that's a huge vote of confidence for me, and that made the biggest difference in my uh, kind of trust in his fantasy value this season. That was my number one thing. So here we are at number 18. We've got David Montgomery. David Montgomery is far from an exciting, sexy, fun fantasy pick, but we have to put him here. He's a young running back. I think he's fairly talented, and he's got the role, right? Volume matters. How much you're going to touch the ball has to be at least half the battle in fantasy points, and he has touched the ball a lot. He's a big volume back, so let's break down some of the stats. And the biggest stat we need to address is his 3.7 yards per carry. If it were any other running back, I would say, boo, that's terrible. I have knocked guys like Todd Gurley for low yards per carry. I've knocked guys like uh, uh, David Johnson for having a low yards per carry. If you have a low yards per carry, you make me nervous. But it doesn't make me as nervous with David Montgomery. Because while he had 3.7 yards per carry, which was 45th among running backs, Tariq Cohen only had 3.3, and Mike Davis had 2.3. It's like you talked about earlier. I don't remember which player you're talking about. Um, but that's an offensive line issue. Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yep. That's an offensive line problem, and he is clearly still the best running back. That helps set his role and as being the only guy who had any effectiveness. And when that offensive line gets fixed, that's going to help him a lot. And, yes, it was the offensive line. They were 12th worst run blocking, 13th worst pass blocking. It was awful. But even more than that, he faced a lot of loaded boxes and a lot of pressure because the Bears' passing attack was – Pretty much non-existent last year. They were bottom eight in the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and they were last in average yards per passing attempt. So even when they were completing passes, it was not far enough down the field. I think if you're going to, you know, if you're hardly going to complete passes, they need to be those bomb deep passes because at least that way you can stretch the field and put two safeties deep. 
felt like every time I saw the Bears last year, defenses against them were running one safety, and that extra safety was up in run support. They were playing real physical events against the Bears, and it, it made David Montgomery's job very hard. So they bring in Nick Foles, who will be an improvement at the quarterback position, or if they don't play Nick Foles, that means Trubisky better have stepped up and played better. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that's going to help him a lot. But furthermore than that, I don't think David Montgomery was that far off of having a good fantasy season. Last year, he had six rushing touchdowns. Now, Rob, if they got their passing game a little more effective and they fixed their offensive line a little bit and David Montgomery got a little bit more mature, would you say it's a stretch to say he could have three more rushing touchdowns? Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. I think that's completely reasonable. I think that's very fair. But had he had just three more rushing touchdowns, he would have had the eighth most rushing touchdowns among running backs. So he is very close to being up there as a very effective runner. He's just missing a few things. Um, but again, let's go back to the volume, and that's one of the things I like about him. He had 242 carries and 25 catches. Uh, that put him 12th for most touches among running backs. 112 carries in the first eight games, but he had 130 carries in the last eight games, so he actually saw more volume as the season went on. And of course, that's always good to see those sort of trends with rookie players. How they finish the second half of the year needs to be better than the first half of the year. We need to see them finish strong. He saw just 33 targets and 25 catches. Um, which is not great, but it was more than another running back who came in that draft class, Josh Jacobs, and a lot of people don't worry about his catches. He may not be the best passing game running back, but what we see a lot as rookies come in, they're low in the passing game, especially if their quarterback struggles, and as they get into a couple years in their career, they get better at it and they'll be okay. So I'm not terribly worried about that. I just wouldn't necessarily give him the check of approval for PPR bonus. But uh, that's David Montgomery. Rob, do you have anything you want to say? That's my uh, thoughts not, on him. Not a whole lot. You know, it's funny how uh, quickly we forget. Last preseason, there was a lot of experts out there that actually saying that they felt more comfortable with David Montgomery than they did Josh Jacobs. Absolutely. Uh, he was uh, he was training high. People are loving this guy. Um, I have one concern for David Montgomery, and it's not David Montgomery. It's Mitch Trubinsky. That's it. I think that's the bottom line why he struggled and why the entire offense struggled. Uh, but this year, I guarantee if Mitch gets the job, he's on a very short leash. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, That offense will improve, and he'll improve. It comes down to opportunity, and he is the guy there. He doesn't have any real competition. Tariq Cohen is especially – he's great hands. He's smaller, but he, you know, he doesn't got any competition. That's his team. I like him. I actually feel pretty safe with David Montgomery, honestly. I he's a guy that I think you could get low uh, in dynasty leagues, and uh, I think he'd surprise a lot. Well, I'll say this. If his quarterback was Aaron Rodgers and not Mitchell Trubisky, he wouldn't be at 18. He'd be higher than that. It's just a quarterback problem. So let's get to our next pick. All right, here at number 19, we have Todd Gurley. This is an interesting pick. I'm glad I didn't have to talk about it because it's going to be one of those controversial ones. Oh, boy, yeah. Break it down. Let's, And that's kind of my catchphrase for the video. Give just all the information. Why does he finish here? Why do we trust him? Okay, so I know a lot of you are going to hate this pick, but stop it. Before you react, listen. Put your emotions aside. Stop looking for the newest guy out there that gets drafted. Okay, you just got to consider a few things. Yes, I know durability are concerned, right? That's a big concern mm -hmm. now, durability, health, okay? He's coming off a down year, and he gets traded, and that's scaring a lot of people. Knee concerns, had a down year, he gets traded, they don't want to touch this guy. Um, you know the old saying, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush? So you can talk about all the guys out there that get drafted and what they can do with this and that, but you have a proven commodity. Um, let's not forget how talented this guy is and what he's done in the league and what he's accomplished. And now I think it's easy to say, well, that's uh, Coach McVay, right? Like, now he's gone, is all that system. But his rookie year, he exploded, and that wasn't Coach McVay. Do you remember who that was back in then? Coach Fisher, who, by the way, that offense was brutal, and yet he had a phenomenal rookie year. You have to go back to that year. Remember their number one most used weapon in the passing game and the running game was Tavon Austin, and, like, Bradford was their quarterback. That was just a different 
difference here. That was crazy different from what they have now. But yeah, uh, last year he had an off year, right? Like we can all admit he had an off year. He had an off year. And you know what he did in his off year? He was so terrible. He had 14 touchdowns in an off year. <laughs> like just consider that for a second before you react. 14 touchdowns. I'll take that in an off year. I Absolutely. just will. Okay. Now, some would say, well, it was a byproduct of playing in a great offense and seeing a lot of opportunities, a lot of red zone opportunities. Now he's left the Rams uh, that, you know, now he's not in a great offense. But did he really downgrade offenses? I want you to consider this real quickly. He left a team that, yeah, I like McVay quite a bit. I like that offense. But now he's on a team with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Matt Ryan. Did he really downgrade offenses? I don't think so. In fact, he upgraded offensive lines if you actually get into it. Mm -hmm. okay? The Rams' offensive line last year was not great. They were 24th in run blocking. But the Rams were horrible. The Rams' offensive line last year was 31st in run blocking. They were bad. A lot of his yards per carry and the problems he had weren't his fault. They were actually mm -hmm. the offensive line fault and, uh, and some other things that went into that. Well, and that goes back to what I said with David Montgomery. Your yards per carry might be low, but what is it compared to the other backs on your team? The Rams last year had a team yards per carry of, I believe, 3.0. Three flat. That's bad. Yeah. You know, okay, so that's that's an offense that I think is really loaded right now. Now, they lost Austin Hooper at tight end, but if you actually look at Austin Hooper, I think there's a reason why the Falcons didn't keep him around. The guy had really solid hands, but he wasn't very fast. Uh, he wasn't very flashy. And they brought in a tight end, Hayden Hurst, who actually coming out of college, um, a lot expected to be a great tight end. And right now, the reports out of Atlanta is they actually think this guy, you actually read something, didn't you? Go ahead. Yeah, um, no offense to Tony Gonzalez, but according to Matt Ryan, um, he's coming in as the fastest and most athletic tight end that Matt Ryan has ever worked with. Again, probably a big insult to Tony Gonzalez, who is, you know, a Hall of Famer, but that's a great sign. He was actually more efficient per touch last year and per target than Austin Hooper. So, you know, there's some nerves changing tight ends there, but a former first round pick, that could even be an upgrade this year, help that offense even more. Yeah, so you look at it, you got uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, and by the way, I think Hayden Hurst will be just fine. I think eventually he'll actually be an upgrade over Hooper. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the biggest concern heading in 2019, the biggest thing that everybody was worried about with Todd Gurley was what? His knee. His knee. Right? You know what held up fine last year? His knee. His knee held up just fine. No issues. He kept saying, my knee's fine, my knee's fine, and you know what? It was fine. Now there's been concerns, all these reports that he didn't do well in the physical, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but he, he's in Atlanta. He passed his physical. They say he looks great. His knee's holding up fine. You know, this guy, is, he's had 73 games that he's had in his career. Okay, Cogler's playing 73 games. He's got 70 career touchdowns. This guy finds pay dirt. Okay, the reports are he's doing well. He's in a great offense. I'm going to risk this guy any day of the week, um, and he's going to fall in drafts. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. He's not old. Okay, this guy's still got a lot of years, and he's only 26. Mm -hmm. You know, so this guy's got three to four years left, and so I'll take that. Um, don't overlook Todd Gurley because you're looking for the newest, shiniest, brightest thing or the showroom when you have a proven commodity. Don't make that mistake. Or if you do, I hope you're in my league so I can take advantage of that guy. Well, I was going to say two things. One, I want to repeat what you said. Guys, if you did not hear that, listen up closely. He is 26 years old. Many of you are going to draft Mark Ingram ahead of Todd Gurley, and Mark Ingram is 30 years old, and they just drafted a running back because they want to replace him, I bet. So you can imagine that you know that age is going to help quite a bit. He's going to have a lot more durability in him. But really, for me, the big thing is, is just the touchdowns and the production he's had over this amount of time. He has been absolutely phenomenal. In fact, I don't think any other running back in the league has been as effective at finding the end zone as Todd Gurley. And the Falcons have a history, even going back to Steven Jackson, of just whoever's their running back, they get that guy the ball in the red zone, and that's been very effective. 
Now, before we get to our number 20 guy, our final guy, Dylan, if you're watching this, and by the way, thank you, Dylan, for watching our videos. I want to give a shout out to you. We appreciate you. Excited to pick up our production. But Dylan, this one's for you. Are you this ready? This one's for you, Dylan. This I wanted one. to say thank you for being the only person who watches these videos. Yes. So, so here we go. This one's for you, Dylan. Here we are. We have got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back number 20. Now, I said what I said earlier. He is not higher in this list simply because we have had no camps and nothing else on him. But what we do have on him is purely good news and excitement and hype for the Chiefs' new running back who is going to have some seriously – I think he's going to have a seriously good year, and I think he's going to have a phenomenal career. So let's break down some of his stats. First thing from college, last year he had 215 carries, 1,400 yards, a monster 6.6 .6 yards per carry, 55 catches, 8.2 yards per reception, and 17 total TDs. It was a great year. He told 270 touches, 1,800 total yards. It was a great year. It was awesome. He becomes the first running back drafted in the 2020 draft, and that's good news. Um, historically, the number one taken in the number one running back taken in the draft has been just phenomenal. So in the Adrian Peterson era, 2007 to 2020, here's the running backs that have been taken first: Edwards, who we've yet not yet seen play, but we have Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley. We have an off year before that with Bishop Sankey. Then we've got Giovanni Bernard, Trent Richardson. We go all the way back to 2007. There's Peterson. These guys have finished 21st, 1st, 9th, 2nd, 9th, 46th, 13th, 7th, and 5th among running backs. It is not common for these running backs to finish very high. In fact, when you average all those guys out, do you know where they finish? They finish as the running back 12 in fantasy. That's an RB1 right out of the gate. And let's be honest, Bishop Sankey finished 46th. Probably skewed that number a little bit. Probably kind of threw that off as that was a major bust of a pick. And of all of those running backs, I think he can very much compete with a, the talent of those backs. And he is certainly up there as one of the best passing game running backs. In fact, over the last couple of years, I've been charting some running backs in their usage as being split out at wide receiver, right? If you get split out as a wide receiver at the running back position, it means you are extremely effective in the passing game. Marlon Mack, 38%, but Clyde Hilaire Edwards was at 35%, the second most among all running backs to be split out at wide receiver in the last six years in their final year of college. Uh, just to clarify that, but that's how effective he's been. A fifth of the time he is out there, and that's how great he has been. But the thing I like most is how much other people like him. I trust our advice. I think we understand football, but you know who really understands football? The pros. Andy Reid does. Pat Mahomes do. They just won a Super Bowl, and I'd be willing to bet they know what they're talking about. So when Andy Reid says, hey, Pat Mahomes, what do you want? And Pat Mahomes says, I want Clyde Hiller Edwards. Specifically by name, that's who Pat Mahomes, the $503 million man wanted. That's why he's here. When that guy is getting a 10-year contract, that's a freaking baseball contract. I mean, that is a long-term deal worth a lot of money, and that's who they want. Um, that's huge news. Furthermore, Andy Reid has just in his 20 plus years coaching in the NFL, he has never before drafted running back in the first round. Remember that he drafted Kareem Hunt, I believe, in the third round. He drafted LaShawn McCoy in 2009. He was a second round pick. He has never before taken a running back higher than 86th overall. And he took this guy 32nd overall. So that makes a huge, huge difference for me. The faith that they have in this guy coming in at 20, he will definitely rise up this list for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to say much about the guy. I have a lot of confidence in him as a rookie simply because even if the production maybe isn't there, maybe if he has some rookie struggles, I'm not saying he's going to. I think he's going to be fine. He could have not landed in a better situation. 
really, that offense is spectacular, and he's going to be great. Uh, I don't think defensive coordinators are worried a whole lot about him when they're game planning, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you got to like where he's lining, where he's at. So that's for you. That's our one rookie. Now, granted, we haven't done our running back rankings. This is dynasty rankings. We're going to get to the running back rankings really soon here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to look a little differently, and we'll have some new guys. Uh, guys will fluctuate. They'll change it up. But uh, this is where we sit here today uh, before camp has started. All right, guys. As always, we want to say thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate your support. Make sure to hit subscribe and hit that like button as it really does help us out a lot. It helps our confidence so we don't cry ourselves to sleep as much. Um, Another thing, too, is YouTube has actually changed their analytics now. Yes. And it's very hard to get our videos out there. A lot of YouTubers are saying this. So the like, the subscribe, the share mean more now than they've ever. So Absolutely. But, hey, leave a comment for any videos you guys would like to hear us make, and we'll make sure to get right on that. Thank you so much for watching. You have a great day, and God bless.